Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. And we're excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. we got a show to recap. The UFC fight night that just took place here in Las Vegas with Song Yadong defeating Chris Gutierrez. We'll chat about that. And of course, it is fight week, UFC 296, six days from now. It's Saturday, December 16th, and Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along for that final pay-per-view of the year with two title fights, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington and Alexandra Partosha versus Brandon Royval. So aside from that, some really, really nice pivotal matchups. The welterweight division is going to be popping on that night. So you'll see a lot of reminders by us, not just on Spinning Back Click tomorrow, our two shows this week, our social media. That's what it is. It's these watch-alongs that you always hear us talking about. Watch the fights along with us, whether you order the pay-per-view or not. But if you don't order it, we'll be your eyes and ears, and we'll tell you exactly what's happening in real time. All right. We also have a guest for you. Sam Alvey, Karate Combat, is in Las Vegas, and we had a chance to catch up with him recently. So we'll play that for you. The former UFC veteran is now doing his thing at Karate Combat. One thing you can never say about Sam is that he doesn't come to scrap whatever the event. All right, guys. So we'll end on a good note talking UFC 296. Let's just get the sour taste out of our mouth. And discuss this fight night. Now, we don't mean disrespect to the fighters that fought. Those fights are just as good as two weeks ago, two months ago, whatever. Uh, I think it's just more than anything goes. It happens to fall at a time in the calendar. If you're a sports fan and you happen to like other sports other than face punching, it just gets lost. I mean, goes and I were at the Lakers game. The NBA has this in-season tournament that they debuted this year and our squad our lifelong squad was in las vegas all right they're the la lakers not the las vegas lakers so they were in las vegas and a good friend of ours came through with some tickets so we had that on our mind my high school was playing a state championship i could have watched that on tv they were giving out the heisman trophy again no an sc guy didn't win it it's usually us or alabama or something um but you know between that normal live christmas parties uh yeah man this poor thing just kind of got left off off to the side not too many people were chatting about it just wasn't um wasn't all that sexy 
the matchup itself main event is interesting on paper but um i mean it's just if on a regular like if you were to put this on a pay-per-view it wouldn't have been probably this weekend's pay-per-view probably wouldn't have been on the main card right probably not no not on this one this one's pretty good this one's pretty solid yeah so i mean there's just so much competition so many other things to do that uh this one just kind of fell um under the radar a little bit and honestly when it all played out wasn't the greatest card of all time yeah there's just weeks the ufc needs to cool it i realize they're gonna have the december pay-per-view but unless you do something like i mean it wasn't even on espn for crying out loud so unless you're gonna do something like that's on you know cbs abc espn uh earlier in the day dude during december you're just i mean pretty soon i'm surprised the nfl hasn't done that they start playing their saturday games you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you got college bowls happening next year next week as well it'll be some of the ones that won't affect the ufc granted but still there's just i haven't even mentioned english premier league or hockey or anything else that's going on but uh yeah man this poor thing just got lost in the shuffle so let's give you guys the results and then we'll put it to bed and move on and i gotta say song yadong is awesome he really is something else man chinese bantamweight defeated chris gutierrez who's not shabby either by the way and pretty unanimously across 25 minutes he is just on a tear right now and with the ufc always looking for international superstars from countries that either bring eyeballs or support their guy or gal this is music to their ears so congrats to song yadong for winning that fight khalil roundtree defeated anthony smith in the co-main event shut him down in round three those are my favorite wins goes is three round three in a three-round fight or rounds Mm -hmm. four and five in a five-round fight when you just have had a lot and then you still get the finish so we don't have to discuss referees or judges or nothing like that they settle it but i also like the fights where both guys or gals looked good like i don't want to see a runaway and then somebody win in round five I like to see competition unfold, strategies unfold, corner corners go to work, and then you and then something happens. Now in this case, I like both guys. We've covered Roundtree as a um, amateur fighter at Tough Enough. We've called his fights, and then as far as Anthony Smith, he was actually a colleague of ours, all the way dating back to the Series Six M days, and we've covered him even before he came back to the UFC. So. Um, Someone had to go down. In this case, it was Anthony Smith. Nazrat Hakpras defeated Jamie Malarkey. Uh, quick work there. Minute 44 in. Put him out with some punches. Sorry, the, the, the dog scared me. I thought he was peeing right now, but he's chewing on something. <laughs> okay, and uh, Tim Elliott stepped in on late notice. He submitted uh, Sumadarji. And Andre Muniz shook off his losing streak. He defeated June Young Park. Those were your top fights. Uh, any thoughts on any of those goes, including the main event, of course, with Song Yadong? Well, I think quietly Khalil Roundtree is uh, starting to become a fan favorite. He's different. I don't know how to describe him to you. He just looks at things differently. And when he fights, like he's just got so much ferocity behind his punches. Like he's one of those fighters where 
if everything clicks for him on that night, he's one of the top dogs. But usually one little piece is kind of missing. And this was one of those performances where nothing was missing. And he just caught he caught Anthony quite a few times. But finally, that closing sequence was kind of weird because it like it almost seemed like Anthony wasn't dazed, but his body wasn't responding. And his legs just kind of gave out and he hit the deck and props to Khalil Roundtree because he kind of took a chance. Like it wasn't one of those where you see the guy's eyes and the roll back into the back of their heads or something like that. It was just kind of odd. And he could have followed up with a really bad punch. He didn't. And Keith Peterson uh, called an end to the action. So he kind of got away with one in a way. But uh, props to him. You know, that, that was a pretty decent fight. And then main event was just kind of slow. Chris Gutierrez leading up to the the fight, you know, during fight week was just talking about how much nerves he had and all that. And it boy did it it really did play out that way. Like when you when you watch his performance, you kind of like there are no explanations for certain things he was doing. He just really did look nervous out there and that sucks because he's a, a pretty decent fighter. You know, but I think the moment caught up with him. And then if you look at Team Alpha Male and the way they coached Song Yudong, I thought they did a, a tremendous job. I thought Song Yudong did a, a really good job in the fight, knowing when to take it to the ground and when not to. So overall, it was a good performance, I think, uh, for Yudong. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so we'll go first with how you covered him, the Coleman event for Khalil Roundtree. That's now five in a row, four for Four of those have been finishes, and they've been some decent names. They haven't been the upper echelon, but still, Anthony Smith, Chris Dawkins, Dustin Jacoby, Carl Roberson, all these guys are capable of winning three, losing two. Like, they're very, very solid top 20 guys. Now he's going to have to challenge himself with his next fight, and hopefully it'll be someone that's at least in that top 10 or closer to the top five, maybe. Because you want to jump on that. You want to capitalize on that. You know, when someone can say you've won five in a row, four of them being finishes, now you need that name. Now you need that name that basically puts you uh, as a title challenger. Um, I think he's well-liked. He's kind of quiet, keeps to himself, but he is explosive. And Anthony Smith's fairly popular. He was once a title challenger himself. So now you got to capitalize and make something of it. Because what you don't want is to be Bilal Muhammad. And we'll get to him in just a second. But he has just gotten, you know, a raw deal. Eight in a row, and he's still serving. He's, he's still not even in the, in the one that's actually fighting this weekend. And there's six badass welterweights fighting this weekend. More on that one. I'm teasing it. But, um, yeah, you don't want to be that guy that gets, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, you know what? The next one doesn't get you there. You might need two or three. No, 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 no. Make noise, you know, and hopefully he does a... Um, some media this week khalil and it can stoke the fires a little who knows but huge huge win for him and i'm really really happy for him i can't remember his half brother's name a donovan freelo was that what it was goes he came into yeah. the studio with him remember when they both came to the studio and they were promoting tough enough mm -hmm. um and i think of the two i think we were more excited about donovan because he just talked a little bit more but i think he was more of a highly regarded amateur fighter at that point than his quiet older or quiet bigger half brother well donovan was fighting for pfl world, world series of fighting i think at the time 
Yeah. And then I want to say he might have popped up on one of them Dana White contender series or something. Yeah. Well, the, the roles are reversed, man. This guy is a legit 205er mm-hmm. who, like I say, is one now won five in a row. And I, I, you know, Bilal's at eight in a row. And again, we'll get to him in just a sec. I don't think you, if, if you win five in a row, and one of your wins is now Anthony Smith, who at one point fought for the title, and you're finishing fools, then get in there, man. Get in there and ask for a top name. Let's go. Like, Otherwise, geez, man, when I just see someone reach a point and then they have to rebuild, oof, it sucks. It really, really sucks. And uh, poor Corey Sanhagen, you know, he took a couple losses. Now he's won three in a row. He looks spectacular. And he's got to step aside for Marlon Vera, all because that's what Sean O'Malley wants. That's what the champ wants. And so now Sanhagen's got to battle that that fight's not a classic. Because remember, if O'Malley wins and it's a classic, they're 1-1, right? Mm-hmm. There's that. Then there's the recent booking of Marab Devalishvili. Everyone else is clear number one. He's facing Henry Cejudo men, at UFC 298 in Anaheim. Imagine if something great comes out of that. You tell me the UFC might not want to promote that one. So like I say, a, a guy like a Sanhagen can just get pushed off to the side. Bala Muhammad, he's kind of been pushed off to the side. You don't want that. I don't want that for anybody. So hopefully Khalil gets a huge name next. As far as the main event goes, man, Song Yedong has really, really turned a corner. Uh, I remember, you know, I, I I thought he was always good, but right now I think he's actually a great bantamweight, and I think his name should start being included with some of these other ones. Now, he did lose to Corey Sanding, and I realize that, right? But I had kind of like wrote him off a little bit after he lost to Kyler Phillips a few years ago. And since then, he's won, you know, Marias, R.C. Kennedy, Casey Kennedy. By the way, what happened to that guy? Casey Kennedy was a tough SOB. I can't mm-hmm. remember what he did after Dominic Cruz beat him. I'm going to see if I can look it up while I'm talking. But I thought Casey Kennedy was, like, pretty solid as well. I know he uh, had, like, some remarks that weren't taken too well. I think he kind of just faded away a little bit. But uh... Yeah, that's two years that guy hasn't fought at all. So Two years? Two years that Casey Kenny hasn't fought. He lost to Dominic and then Song Yedong right after after that. But going into that, he was 15 and 2, and he was good as a bantamweight and he was good as a flyweight. In fact, goes this guy beat Brandon Royville uh, as a flyweight. So he always felt like he could play that card. And and now Royville's fighting for a title, right? But he beat him, he beat Ray Borg. So he held his own at both at both weight classes. I'll see if I can find out what the deal is with this guy. Casey Kenny, maybe I'll chase him down on social media or whatever, but he's a whole other story. But Song Yidong, man, he's just, I mean, he's jacked. Remember when we met him at the UFC Fight Expo? Yeah. Uh, he's just really, really strong. He learned English, speaks it well. He's charming. But, man, I mean, he is good across 25 minutes. He just, like I say, he can hit hard. That team Alpha Males really, really molded this guy into a monster. So I'm excited about his next fight. I think you can start shoving him in there with some of these other top guys as well. I, uh, I love that he spoke English at the end of the fight, um, which was funny because the translator was just kind of standing there like a dope at one point. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought he just kind of came across charming. It wasn't the greatest fight ever, but he did dominate the fight. Mm-hmm. And um, 
kind of planted the seed, I think, for the next one. I think overall it's good results for him. Right. Well, like I say, China's big for the UFC. You know, they put out some great athletes. They always do well in the Olympics. I wouldn't say they're famous for, um, like, in the sports that I follow. They've had a few NBA guys, but they're not really, you know, a, a gold medalist contender or something like that. Uh, same with football. I don't remember many Chinese players playing football or many playing soccer, but um, or even baseball. Look at what Japan's done in baseball recently in the last 24 hours. But that said, uh, they do do well in a lot of different sports like swimming and gymnastics, you know. And so the fact that they're producing some top-notch MMA fighters doesn't shock me at all. Yeah. And Chris Gutierrez, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, this is the guy that retired Frankie Edgar. He he has some rebuilding to do. I mean, just like I think a lot of the other guys that have taken a few losses and then come back. So we won't give up. We, we won't give up on him just yet. But yeah, Song Yerong was another level above this guy. Um, anyway, the. Rest of the results are as follows. And again, Hack Parast defeated Malarkey. Elliot, congrats to him. That was slick, man, to just go in there on seven days' notice or whatever it was and not only get the win, he got the stoppage. It all got down in one round, so he didn't have to sweat. Is his cardio going to hold up or any, any of that stuff? And the 50,000, man, that's incredible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like coming, especially. Yeah. As you lead into Christmas and all that, and I believe he's got a little daughter. So really, really happy for him. Um, the rest of the fights went as follows. Kevin Jusset defeated Keenan Song. Hyun Sung Park defeated Shannon Ross. Steve Garcia defeated uh, Mel Cazal Costa. Luana Santos, who, by the way, wants some of Misha Tate, defeated Stephanie Egger. Uh, Tetsuro Tyra remains undefeated. He defeated Carlos Hernandez, Talita, Alan Sar, defeated Ryan, Amanda. And so aside from Elliot, bonuses went to Khalil Roundtree for a performance of the night, uh, Nazrat Hakparas for performance of the night, Tim Elliot for performance of the night, and Hyun Sung Park for performance of the night. They didn't give out a fight of the night, and I think... They covered most of the bonuses. Tyra didn't get one. That kind of sucks. Uh, it'd be nice if the flyweights got some love. Steve Garcia had a finish. He didn't get one. And I think everyone else got covered. So, you know, going back to la- last week when all those guys got bonuses like because they were finishers. Man, I don't know. I just don't know how you can not do that every week you know that was literally seven days ago you finished congrats you came to fight it's not his fault his or her fault that they were at the apex and they didn't break a gate record and that it wasn't popping you know the atmosphere like it maybe was in austin or sometimes when you get sandwiched in between someone that finished and another one that finished you just feel like there's this roll right for the last three fights over an hour there's just been these finishes it's crazy it's not that person's fault. That person's fault. Their only thing that they're concerned about is going out there and winning. And if they go out there and win and get a finish, I, how do you discriminate between 
these people deserved it and these people deserved it all based on just the mood that the president's in. That's just kind of like, I don't know, bugs me. Yeah, it's just dumb. There's no consistency. And I'm just going to bring it up until I drive people nuts until hopefully one day they just switch it. I would love for them to say in 2024, we're doing this. And the reason we're doing it is because I kept hearing about it. And the guys over at Junkie or these guys or that guy or socials or this. And I figured enough is enough and we're just going to do it. And so we're going to do it. So we're doing our part. Mm -hmm. That's all I can say. And that was the UFC fight night pretty much. And, you know, that's what we saw and experienced. That's the last fight night of the year. We got the UFC 296 card on Saturday and goes and I will be doing a watch along. So remember to share with your friends, retweets, reposts, all that stuff. It means a lot. We'd love for you to, to do that. Let's cover a little bit of news and then we'll get to our guest, Sam Malvi, and then we'll finish up with some fight week stuff. So Henry Cejudo, he is taking on Marab Devalashvili. This is the type of fight booking that when I look, right, I click MMA Junkie and I see it, I see so many fight bookings, but every once in a while I'm like, yup, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I said when I saw these two. They're going to lock up in February at the UFC 298 card in Anaheim, California, same night as Alexander Volkanovsky versus uh, Ilya Teporia. Solid that's match. shaping up nice, right? I like that. That's a great matchup. And I'm getting more and more into that main event, too. Mm -hmm. So now a quick update on what we know. Some are official, some are rumors. But Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Teporia. You can't ask for a better fight at featherweight. This is champion versus a clear number one. Then you got Danny Barlow versus Yasaku Kinoshita. Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Justin Taffa. Zhang Ming Yang versus Brenson Rivero, Anthony Hernandez. So that one is Fluffy, not Alexander the Great. Anthony Hernandez versus Ikram Aliskarov, Andrea Lee versus Ma uh, Miranda Maverick, and now Marav Devalishvili versus Henry Cejudo. So I see a main event and a clear co-main event, and I think Fluffy's earned. Maybe getting on a main card, Tafa versus Delima. I could see two big guys that love to swing getting on there. I don't know if Lee and Maverick squeeze in there, to be honest. I think we should expect more from this fight card, but for a fight card that's still more than two months away, they're off to a great start. Yeah, no, they'll definitely be a little bit more, especially considering when they come to so Southern California in the past. They've been so snake bitten with things that I would imagine this time around, stack it up and make sure everything's good. I agree. Another news item is on Makashev did some media. And he's saying he wants Gagey instead of Oliveira or Sarukian. So he was asked, what do you think of Sarukian's win? He said it was impressive. He said it was a nice knockout. And they said, well, he says he can take you out. And he had a nice response. He said, well, he, he had his chance and I beat him. And he did it with a nice, coy smile. Loved his response. And then they said, all right, so is the plan still you and Oliveira? And he's like, you know, I don't know. Um, but I would like to fight in March because there's a fight card in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, where Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury just fought, our box. <laughs> Excuse me. That's March 2nd. 
And then the following week is March 9th, and that's UFC 299 with O'Malley and Vera. Sorry. Yeah, with O'Malley and Vera. So he says he would like to be on either one of those two. And the rumor is that that one might take place in Miami, the one with O'Malley and Vera. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I thought O'Malley can kind of sell tickets. Now, if he wants to be on there because he wants to play second fiddle to O'Malley and cash in on his pay-per-views, hey, I ain't, I ain't hating on that hustle. Usually the way, the heavyweight class is the main event, so maybe Islam would say, however, I am the main event. Maybe he doesn't care. I don't know. But the reason those dates are important is because he is Muslim, and he observes Ramadan every year. This year's Ramadan, it, it's, not a, it's not a holiday that, that you observe on a certain day. It, it shifts around. And this year will be March 10th to April 8th. So about a month, right? And it involves fasting, prayer, self-reflection, things like that. From sun up to sundown, you refrain from eating and drinking. So that's pretty taxing on a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. And if he can fight on May 2nd in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, or uh, March 9th in what's rumored to be Miami, Florida, then he can do his job before having to um, break away, you know, for, for a month while he does right. Ramadan. And then, of course, later in the year, perhaps he could sneak in a second, maybe even a third fight. Remember, the UFC kind of loves going to Abu Dhabi in October. So you would think that uh, Makashev would be a leading candidate out there. Now, what? everything he said was great, goes except for he said, I'd like to fight Justin Gaethje because I just don't want to do these uh, rematches. Mm -hmm. Now, you know me. I, I listen... And I'm snarky. I get it. I'm a jerk. I'm a smart ass. Um, if he would have just clarified and said, you know, I just came off a rematch and I don't want to do anymore. And plus, I want to defend against the lightweight. So eh, you guys are feeling me, right? Even as in inappropriate as it might be, I would probably give him either a fist bump or a mental fist bump if I was there in that scrum. I'd go, we feel you, dog. We want to see you against the lightweight, you know. But don't just say that and leave it there because the first thing out of me would be, boy, it sure is convenient that you don't want to do rematches after doing one where against the featherweight on mm -hmm. late notice. You know, like, why didn't you put your foot down then and say, give me Mateo's Gamrot. I'm not into rematches, and I want a lightweight for crying out loud. Nope. Right. So not only is he saying that, he wants Gagey, which is fresh. I like Gagey, and he deserves it. But, you know, they seem committed to Oliveira, although anything can change with the UFC. And I just want to see a lightweight for starters. So whether it's Oliveira or Gaethje, great. I get it. A fresh matchup would be Gaethje. But mm -hmm. guess what? That still leaves Oliveira or Sarukian unless they pit those against each other. But one of those is going to win, and he's going to have to do that rematch, I suppose. I don't know. But I think Makachev's caught some breaks on the way in. He didn't face a top five guy. He beat Hooker and then Green, and then he fought for the title in his backyard. So he's gotten a lot of things go his way. Yes, he had to go to Australia. But that's when he fought a featherweight. And then somehow in that in those two minutes, he they asked him, what's your dream? He goes, I want to fight for a second title. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm getting sick of hearing that, by the and way. And Leon Edwards, same thing. We haven't gotten to him, so I don't want to get into that yet. But, geez, these guys, man. like It was fascinating when McGregor did it. 
but boy, has he spoiled us. Everyone wants to do it. What can the UFC do to combat it? I don't know. I think if the UFC were to say, if you're the champion in a weight class, we'll pay you $2 of pay-per-view. And if you want to go to another weight class, then you're the challenger. No pay-per-view. I, I don't know. I don't know what how they could uh, dissuade I fighters do. from wanting to chase that dream. Who knows? I no. I, on the one, on, on the other hand, I'm like, man, that's pretty cool when someone has those lofty dreams because he is saying I want to go up. He's not saying I want to go down. So he's not running away from tough competition to get to lighter competition. He wants to go upwards, right? I get it, but dude, first defend against the lightweight, please. I think uh, it's up to the UFC to just just say no. You can do that. You run the show. Just say no. That we'll have none of that. I think they secretly like it. Because it's fun to promote it. But what it does is it just waters down divisions. It puts everybody in a dumb spot. I, I don't. I, sometimes it makes sense, but not this early. And these guys don't understand that, like, getting a championship belt, I don't want to say it's easy, but a lot of people have them. So the one thing that's going to distinguish you years from now, when we're doing the 30 greatest UFC fighters again, title defenses, baby. What did you do in your division? Did you clean it out True. and then move up, you know, and challenge? That's when you move move up and challenge yourself. These guys feel like they win a belt and uh, and they don't have to defend it. They, they just call the shots at that point. It's not like that. It is true. It is true. I mean, if you look at our 30 greatest, it was those ones with all those title defenses at the top that were in that top 10, top five. And then when we really had to split hairs, it was guys that did win a second title, but that was only in addition to defending it 9, 10, 11 times, you know, against and, and cleaning divisions out twice, a, a, a second cycle of fights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nowadays, that younger generation is just like, you know, a title defense or two, and they want to move up. They want to be billed as the greatest. And then it's like, bro, you're putting us in a tough position. You're great. We love covering you. But don't make us remind you. We don't want to be that old guy. Get off my lawn. We don't want to remind you of what's happening. We've just seen it. So cool your jets a little bit. Handle your division. You're still not even greater than your own teammate. You're not the greatest lightweight to come out of Dagestan yet, Makashev. For, for one, you lost. Two, you haven't defended it against a lightweight. Do that first. Do that first so we can give you your flowers and go, bro, you may have taught Habib. I'll, I'll, I'll look away on the out of the loss, but man... Habib didn't have title five title defenses like you did or get that second title or whatever. But first things first. Now, I suppose he is the one getting asked the questions. It's not like he's just sitting there saying what he's saying. But I don't know. I guess it just came on the heels of oh, I don't do rematches, you know, and like if we're ever going to wonder things about Habib, it's probably things like what would he what would he fare like against a guy like Oliveira, right? Dude, he beat Oliveira. So he's got that. Now go on and beat some of the guys that Habib also beat. And then before long, we won't be talking about Habib. We'll be talking about you. Yeah. Agreed. Um. Anyway, so that was some media that he did out there in the Middle East where he lives, I believe. I think they live in Dubai, if I'm not mistaken. And then they fight in Abu Dhabi. And like I say, there's some rumors of uh, a fight in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And that's cool. It's a fight night. He said he'll probably be at the numbered event, which, again, the rumor's Miami. 
on March 9th in April, they come to Las Vegas. I can't see UFC 300 not being in Las Vegas, but I could be wrong. And so, uh, but that one, they'll be, they'll be into Ramadan. And I just don't see that one being likely for him. So that's cool that he wants to hustle and get one in. That's why I thought it was a bit unusual that it wasn't Makashev and Oliveira, you know, sandwiched in somewhere. I, I, it was weird that with the way they did it. O'Malley won in August and Strickland won in September. Yet Strickland fights in January and O'Malley fights in March. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if just Strickland wanted to stay busy or if the UFC just felt that that made some some sense. Volkanovski got knocked out in October and he's fighting. So he fought two months after O'Malley and he's fighting one month before O'Malley and he got knocked out. Yeah, it's crazy. Kind of weird. But if anybody can pull it off, it's somebody like him. Volkanovski's a Terminator, for sure. Let's get to our interview, and then we'll come back and finish up with some cool stuff from UFC 296. Some really, really great news that comes out of that fight card. Uh, first, it's Sam Alvey, though. He's got karate combat coming up. It's this Friday in Las Vegas. So if you're coming for the MMA event on the 16th, on the 15th, you'll have ceremonial weigh-ins, right? And right after that, you can go check out Karate Combat here in Las Vegas. At least I think it's open to the public. I'm not sure. The, the location's a little bit more of a private affair, but uh, maybe by Thursday show, I'll actually find out if that's true. I know media's invited, and I have seen crowds there, so I don't know if it's a special invite or what, but it does look pretty cool. And uh, he's fighting. He's fighting on that card. So we'll talk to Smiling Sam. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. We get to talk to one of our favorites, former SoCaler, Sam Alvey, living in Tennessee, but he knew he had to go back to SoCal to get some of that training in. So that's where he's at now. That's why it's sunny in his hood. Karate Combat 43 is where he throws down next. That comes up on December 15th, and you can watch it free on YouTube. His opponent will be Ross Levine, and they're fighting for the vacant heavyweight championship. Now, that's what it says on topology, Sam. Is it vague, uh, Is it heavyweight or light heavyweight? I'm not sure the weight class is over there. I, so, so it's heavyweight, but it's 205. Uh, okay. the, 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 they're a very foreign organization. Like All the higher-ups are, are from around the world. And there's not even from one country. They're from around the world. It's really kind of cool. And so their heavyweight is 205 and up. So I, am the, I will be the heavyweight champ, but in MMA terms, it would be light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Ross Levine? You're going to help us out a little bit. I read up on him. I saw some stuff that he said about you. He used to kickbox over at Glory. So he's, you know, he's not a wrestler coming over to test his hands. He is a kickboxer coming over to test his hands. But your thoughts on him? He says he's been keeping it cold with you, even though he respects you, but from a distance. Yeah, I I haven't picked up on the coldness. He seems like a nice dude. Uh, yeah, no, he's very talented, very fast. He's one of the first people when I found karate combat, uh, he was one of the first people I started watching. I didn't even know that he was the middleweight champ at the time. Uh, I said, wow, this guy, this guy's moving well. Like he's in and he's got that very traditional karate style where it's in and out, but it's all about speed. And he is, he will be the fastest man I've ever fought. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. He made a fan out of me before the fight happened, before the fight was announced. And then I got blessed with the fights and all right, let's do it. 
Mm-hmm. And now that you got a fight under your belt, you got a second camp that you've done. Uh, has that rejuvenated you in any way? You know, you you, you kind of only have to focus on stand up, not everything else. Yeah, I feel great. I, I still do as much jujitsu and as much wrestling as ever before because that's what I know how to do. Uh, but I've been able to open up with my hands. I've been able to open up with my kicks. I've been able to do some of that uh, that that fancy stuff. You know, you the spinning hook kicks or uh, what was it? Uh, Raymond Daniels did that the one eighty into a knee punch or something. I do those all the time now. <laughs> uh, I, I tell everyone at the end of this fight, Raymond Daniels is going to be jealous of the cool stuff I can do. You know, this might sound silly, but is it almost along the lines of, you know, in football, you got the quarterback and you got these four grown ass men trying to knock his walk off. Right. And then you got five men trying to protect them. That's in the game. But in practice, we can't risk the quarterback. They throw on that bright yellow jersey, which means you can get to him, but just touch him. That means that he's done. We're, we're, we're all the same team. Is that almost what karate combat is like? You can open up this arsenal of weapons that you have because, you know, Someone's not shooting a double leg, for example, or, you know, I, I don't know, some of the other techniques that we see in MMA that, that sometimes stifle strikers. Yeah, I, I've been telling everyone this is the fastest combat sport that's out there. It's faster than MMA significantly, faster than kickboxing, faster than boxing. It's just a constant action. And all of the athletes that are in karate combat, they have all done the karate tournaments, the taekwondo, point spar, and the stuff like that, where they have the power, but they need to be fast more than they need to be powerful. And so these, when that bell rings, the fight is on. They're moving, they're grooving, they're, they're spinning, That they're doing some really cool stuff. And that we get to fight in a pit as opposed to a cage or a ring, it's it makes it all the sweeter. Uh, the, the the pit is really, it's so cool. I, I mean, I'm not disappointed I got a knockout in a minute and one second or something my, my last fight. But I am disappointed I get, didn't get to play in the pit a little bit more. Because it's like a playground for fighters. <laughs> hey, Sam. So, like, in this situation here with karate com- combat, no matter what happens, you know, whether you get three fights in five fights in do you think you feel like you're always gonna have that on your back like that you're representing you're the mma guy you know it seems like these guys are uh you're the mma guy kind of invading their space do you do you feel like a part of the team over there or are you in a way still kind of representing mma no, karate combat's really made me feel at home. Like they, they've been, they understand that although I have made my career, my name doing MMA, they understand I'm also six and one in uh, Muay Thai uh, and I'm on a six fight winning streak. Uh, I, I have done pancreation. I've done weapons. That's what got me in everything. And I started my career in a Kenpo Karate Dojo. I worked there for four or five years, like between four and five years. Then I went out to Team Quest where one of my head striking coaches, Tarek Safadine, who's a black belt in both Taekwondo and uh, Kyokushin Karate. Uh, so it has been very much part of my arsenal. And now I don't have to worry about the Division One All-American wrestler coming out and just holding me down. I can really open up. If you watch my MMA fights, I've always liked my back foot against the, the cage to help prevent the takedowns. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can push forwards because they're, they're not going to take me down because they're, they don't need to. They're faster than that. I heard you got some pretty good rounds out there at Dan Henderson's gym, uh, guys like Dominic Reyes. But I have to imagine if they're helping you, you're probably helping them. What were some of like those MMA rounds? Uh, were you able to do some of that? And, and is that fun You know, to, to be able to still do some of the MMA stuff? 
I, I still love doing the MMA stuff. I mean, there, there's so much. There's so much. It's not karate versus MMA. It's fighting. And at the end of the day, you are just fighting. You're trying to beat another man up. Uh, so whether I'm doing it with takedowns and jujitsu or doing it with just a knockdown and some ground and pound, I'm still getting there. So yeah, I, I'm actually on my YouTube channel. I'm going to post all my rounds with Jared Bandera and uh, Dominic Reyes, uh, Diego Vasquez, and a couple other guys from yesterday. I'm going to post it here in about an hour. Uh, and I, I'm, I've had so much fun working with guys in the last year since leaving the UFC. I've, I've, tried to become a true 205er. I've increased my weight. I'm strong. I'm as strong as I've ever been, stronger than I've ever been. I, I've done some some good weight lifting as well as keep continuing my um, conditioning. And so I was get to go I got to go out and hang with you know the the heavyweight in Jared or the light heavyweight in Dominic. Uh, and shoot Diego he's a he's close to the super heavyweight. I was able to go out there and really intimidate them or uh, maybe not intimidate but compete with them on size and that was a lot of fun so i'm looking forward to to stepping in that pit and doing the same thing you know a lot of times where we used to be able to see you is when we would go visit our parents they don't live too far away from from dan's gym but now you might be visiting us in las vegas i hear what the what's the deal with sean strickland can you explain this you guys are going to spar what's going on yeah, so Sean Strickland and I, we're buddies. We helped each other. We've trained together. We've almost lived together. We're, we're friends. Uh, and I've been telling my YouTube channel, I have Smile and Sam on YouTube, that as soon as I monetize, I'm going to get out to Las Vegas and I'm going to spar Sean Strickland and I'm going to post it. I'm going to film it and post it for everyone to see. And as of maybe right this minute, I have become monetized on YouTube. Uh, and so I'm keeping true to my promise. I'm getting out to Vegas here in the next day or two, and I'm going to spar Sean Strickland. I just got to get that bum to call me back. Uh, he becomes the world champion, and he's too too big to, to text his, his old chum, Smiling Sam, back. Um, but maybe I'll just get out there. I'll just show up at his gym, and we'll go from there. Is it just to show how two guys can get down and put on an entertaining sparring match, or is this to settle any form of a friendly grudge or anything like that? No grudge at all. No grudge at all. If it, if we were actually fighting, uh, I feel I feel bad for DDP because they, he has to fight Sean next. Sean has been, he is about the best I've ever seen. It's between him and Dan Henderson are the best I've ever worked with. And they're both just terrifying in that ring. Uh, but I'm one of the few guys that is willing to spar with him every round he wanted. And he was willing to spar with me every round I wanted. We've always had fun doing it. It's been some of my best rounds. And he is, I mean, he's my best training partner, even though I haven't gotten to train with him in quite a while. So there, there's no no grudgery to be had. But I, I really, I'm looking forward to it. Whether it's filmed or not, I, I love sparring with that man. Why did you guys split up, I guess? You said best sparring partner you ever had. He's always looking for rounds, so he'd probably say some kind things about you, I imagine. We'd have to ask him, but um, what? how is it that you guys weren't able to unite, I guess, like, since since those days? Because Vegas is too hot. I'm a redhead. Vegas is a desert. I can't live there. Uh, so he went to Vegas. We both escaped California, but uh, he, he went to Vegas. I went to Tennessee. I, I've got a great gym now in Tennessee and Guardian MMA, and then I work a lot of Checkmat MMA as well down in Chattanooga. And th those gyms have, have helped me tremendously, but I just I couldn't bring myself to live in Vegas. It was, it was on a short list of places to go. I would, you know, just wear the sunblock if I had to. But I just, I, at the end of the day, I, I didn't want to live in Vegas, and, and he, he was pretty happy doing it. Uh, at the, but both states allow us and encourage us to carry guns, and so we're both happy where we're at. 
All right, so I'm buying some stuff, but not other, and I'll tell you why. Like Go said, our parents live very close to Temecula, and in the summer, it's brutal there, too. Uh-huh. The heat, all right? You would have saved in state taxes here at the time, because this was about five years ago, I think, when Sean left Team Quest, maybe even more. Uh, you would have had the benefit of the UFCPI. I know you're state-free tax in Tennessee, but I, I don't know. I, I um. The, the, the heat thing, though, I can't let that one go by. It's, there's no ocean breeze in Temecula. Uh, yeah, but my team is here. The Dan Henderson's team is here. I, I'm not. I've, I'm very dedicated to my team. Even now, I haven't lived in Temecula in two years. And mm-hmm. when push comes to shove, I'm push comes to shove. I'm coming back to to my roots to get beat up by Hendo and a couple of the other guys. Is Levine, by the way? Let's get back to him. December fifteenth, Karate Combat. Check it out, folks. Free on YouTube, by the way. Uh, and this is a title fight. Is Levine overlooking you? I I saw a comment where he thought it was going to be him and Till in December. It's him and Alvy in December. Oh man, uh, it, it, what bad luck he could have had! <laughs> uh, no, I hadn't heard Till was even was was even even interested in coming over. Uh, I hope he's overlooking me. Everyone does. I'm a friendly fella. I'm easy to to you know not pay attention to. Uh, let him overlook me. He'll he'll find out real quick that the four guys he's beaten don't add up to the to the eighty plus people I've fought. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's something he he's very talented. Like I saw him and I became a fan before we were ever scheduled to fight. Now that I get to fight him, I'm like, okay, I got to get a real camp because this guy is real deal. But if you look at who he's fought, you combine their records, they're like four and twelve. Uh, he's not fought the people I have fought. He's not. Ha- he does not have the repertoire of, of opponents that I have beaten, uh, that I have competed with. I have beaten some. I, I made it to top ten in the world at one point in the in the UFC, and I, I've beaten current top ten fighters. Um, so he 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 definitely brings a threat. There are things I have to watch out for, but the experience is in my back pocket. Uh, the experience is, is where I where I you know is my strongest suit. What would this title mean to you, Sam? Uh, the, the, man, I, I've been... That, that I've been able to go into a promotion and impress them so much in one fight that they, they offer me a title shot against a reigning champion of weight lower is... It's just... It means the world to me. And now I'm going to go out there. I'm going to win this belt. And I'm going to do everything I can to give back to karate combat. I'm going to make sure karate combat is the next biggest combat sport in the world. I'm going to make sure that they get out there and they, I help them become the sport karate. Sport karate is the wrong term because it is full contact. The place people want to not only tune into on Friday nights, Saturday nights to watch, but talk about Monday morning at the water cooler. It is the most fun I have ever had fighting, and I've only had one fight with him so far. I, I am looking forward to this so much, and when I get that gold belt, I am going to wear it everywhere. Is this where you'll end your career? Is the door to MMA completely closed? Absolutely not. I love karate combat, but but I, I'm a fighter. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a fighter. I want to fight. I, I will fight anyone, anywhere, uh, at any time. The whole reason I ended up with karate combat is because the fighters in BKFC are a bunch of sissies. The, the fighters uh, in MMA in general are a bunch of sissies. It is not what it used to be. When I started fighting, a fight was offered, you say yes. I mean, before you know who it is. And now I have said yes to, in the, this last year, to, to 
I don't know, 10 different fights and five different promotions. And they all say no. They're, they're all intimidated. I finally talked to Karate Com and said, listen, I need fights. I need people that are willing to fight, willing to step up and get in the, the pit with me. And they said, all right, we got you covered. And without hesitation, I, I have been given fights. I People have agreed that, yes, this is what fighting is about fighting I, i'm not gonna you know pick my opponent or be too scared or anything like that uh like so many fighters in the bkfc have turned out to be uh i i'm i am here for for action i will fight the best in the world and i will become the best in the world can you tell us who's turned you down across these different offers you've had is, is that something you would make public or at this point i can't even remember their names i've said like i've always been the guy it's, it's offered and they said hey you want to fight brandon allen on three days notice up a weight class said yeah okay whatever before i saw who he was uh it's always been me so bkfc said hey you want to fight on this day said sure let's do it said all right and then they just kind of stopped getting back to me so okay i guess it's not happening uh and that's just been the case in so many different organizations over the last year and a half um and for for me i i just whatever fine i'll find a real fighter well i'm glad you found one and we're excited to see you back in action with karate combat Folks, December 15th, you can watch on YouTube for free. And this is a title fight for Smiling Sam. Sam, go get him, man. It'd be nice to see you wear that gold, not just on that night, but like you said, you'll be rocking it everywhere. Oh, I'm wearing it everywhere. It is going to be a new part of my uniform at all times. There you hey, go. and I'll let you guys know if the Sean, when, when the Sean Strickland thing comes. Maybe you come and watch it. Be sounds fun. good. Let us know. Yeah, sounds great, my guys. All right, take care, Sam. See you. All right, have a good one, fellas. Smiling Sam. Boy, I'd love to see him in Strickland spar if it's – well, I won't be able to. Maybe you might be able to, goes if they spar this week. I don't know if you'll want to do it that close to karate combat, but he says he's always down. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 pals, but that's the thing is, like, Sean just – he's basically fighting, dude, at that point. Uh, I know he's cornering him, though. I think that's uh, – that should be pretty fun. Strickland's cornering Alvy? Yeah. That is cool. All right. Thank you to Smiling Sam for doing that. Good luck in, in your fight, Smiling Sam. And don't forget that card also has Anthony Pettis against Benson Henderson. And so now UFC 296, reminder number three, goes and I will be hosting a watch-along starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, this Saturday on MMA Junkie. We will watch the fights along with you guys. The first four are free for everybody, right? So we'll watch those together. And then when it's time for the pay-per-view at 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m., sorry, 7 p.m. Pacific, we go in different directions. So we have to order it, and we do, all of them. We don't miss them. But I realize not everyone orders every single pay-per-view. So if you decide not to order it, just hang, keep hanging with us and let us tell you what's happening in real time. All right. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, we found out today, is the backup fighter for Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, the main event. Now, Bilal Muhammad could have very rightfully have been the title challenger, but we're past that. They already made this fight. It's happening. But what did you make of the fact that he said he just got the call? Like, does that almost tip you off? Like, there's trouble behind the scenes? Um, yeah. You know, he made a good point. The last few pay-per-views have been spoiled one way or another. If you'll recall, John Jones fell out, so they had to do this whole Aspinall versus Pavlovich thing. Then in October, Oliveira fell out. So they had to bring in Volkanovsky because, you know, uh, Makashev doesn't do rematches. Mm -hmm. And then, hell, if we even go back to September, I mean, they brought in Israel out of Sonia to face off against Drikas Duplessis. 
that didn't go down. So we had um, Sean Strickland step up. But then he had more time, more notice. And, of course, he pulled off the epic win. But, yeah, Bilal makes a good point. They got to insure these, and they did. Now, I thought they didn't have to in the sense that, for one, Bilal says he don't do the backup role. Well, he is, and he's getting paid. Money talks, I suppose. But the other one was you got Ian Gary against Vicente Luque, and then you got Shavkat Rachmanov facing Stephen Thompson. Now, of those four, I don't know that you could just say one of you four steps in because Bilal, I mean, I guess if you said it and said because Bilal Muhammad doesn't do the backup, then that's Bilal Muhammad's bad. He loses. Right. Um, but maybe they went to Bilal saying, hey, look, what if this happens? Would you be okay with getting jumped over? But he says he's been in shape and ready to go. He'll probably make a decent paycheck. He probably won't fight because most of the time they don't. But I never felt like we didn't have insurance. I felt like we did. The only thing that would have sucked is we probably would have had someone that really didn't deserve it. Although, when you're 16-0, and 0, goes, like Shafkat Rachmanov, and all 16 have been finishes. I mean, you're pretty outstanding in my eyes, and I suppose they could put him in there, and I don't think I'd bat an eye. Nah, I, sp- I mean, as long as Bilal Muhammad is the guy that that turned down the spot, then yeah, you could do something like that. But I, I, for me, it's like a, when you find out this late in the game. To me, it's like a what they call an invitation. You know, when you invite somebody at the end because you're hoping they don't have enough time to to say yes and come to the party or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just got that disrespectful tone to it. But uh, if he can make a nice little paycheck, and we do know that he's just kind of been training, um, good for him. Do you think there's a chance they asked Bilal and he said, fuck that, I ain't no fucking backup fighter, fuck them, blah, blah, blah. Then Ali goes, well, all right, bro, but are you sure you want to turn down six figures? You know, that could be 100 grand, 200 grand, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, yeah, I suppose you're right. I'm, I'm only 15 pounds over. I'll go in there. If I get to fight, great. And if I don't, which is more like the scenario, Christmas money, you know, maybe, maybe you think it kind of goes like that a little bit. Money usually. I, I think it could. And, but I also like personally, I don't know that I wouldn't say, you know what? These rarely happen. So I'm going to say, yeah. But if it does end up where I do have to fight and I don't feel like I'm ready, I'm just going to say I can't or something, you know, or uh, I don't know and uh let one of those other d- dudes step in i don't know I-, I don't know how serious this is for him like being 100 percent against one of these guys for the belt i don't even know that like there might be a fight in the back man those three people do not get along yeah i don't know if i would say i'm not fighting i changed my mind i think i just might say i had it wrong guys you asked me what nine days ago i thought mm-hmm. i could make weight but body shut down sorry i think right. he, he might get, get forgiven there too. Because it's such late notice. But uh, fighters have this mentality where I just think they just don't know how to say no. And so that's why they all, they're they always going to say yes. I think the when it finally sets in that you may have done messed up is when you step up, it is you, and then you get crushed. Like, I bet you if you were to pull Masvidal aside now and say, bro, you've been retired for over a year now. No, less than a year. But it's been at least a year or two since you've had your title fights. Let's ask you. Let's shoot shoot us straight. Was it a mistake to take that fight on short notice and fly half the way around the world? How's he going to tell you that it wasn't? For sure he will 
he'll go, yeah, but the money was good. I had to take a chance, fill in the blank, this, that, whatever. Um, none of them are scared to throw down. They're all, they're all just going to throw down at any moment. But they dangle that carrot out there, and you just got to pounce on it. You just, yeah, you know, you feel indestructible as is, I suppose. So, mm-hmm. um, and plus, from time to time, dude. I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, right? Um, Luke Rockhold punished Bisping pretty good. I have to believe, again, if you pull Bisping aside and go, hey, on three weeks' notice, I know you had some confidence, and I know you thought, hey, there's a chance here. But, I mean, tell us about there had to have been some doubt. I think Bisping would shoot you straight and go, hell yeah, you don't remember him blasting me in Australia? (laughs) I mean, I think he one-armed guillotined them. He manhandled them. So I think even he would tell you. But all it takes is just that one crack of the jaw, you know? And so that's why I think the fighters go for it. And that is one of the beauties of our sport is that there's enough history of all these miracles and events that take place that are so crazy. Even Sarah against GSP. We laughed at the fact that the winner of Tough goes straight to the title. We just thought they were getting served up. Travis Luter has um, Anderson Silva mounted, by the way. Of course, he didn't make weight. He wouldn't have won the title, but he was dominating in that regard. Then Mm -hmm. he gets swept and loses. And then Matt Serra actually knocks the guy out, knocks one of the greatest out, knocks out the number one guy on the MMA Junkies 30 greatest UFC fighters list. I mean, so those, those are the things that take place in our history that always make us go well you know maybe and things like that yeah so yeah balam muhammad it's big news it's picked up big traction on our website on our youtube channel shout out to fada hanoon for landing that and uh balal yeah just kind of telling us what the deal is now how about ian gary saying i fear for my family i I know we haven't discussed it as much on this show Mm -hmm. if you peruse YouTube, there's a lot of influencers, uh, YouTube stars, internet sensations, whatever they're called. But there's people that entertain me. I'll actually say that. And some that are like all over this from day one, like a guy named Red Pill, an Irish fella who covers it and he's been on it. And quite frankly, if he were to go, what do you think of my coverage? I'd tell him, fuck you you hit a home run but i would say that maybe like i want to hear you talk about other stuff like he's beating this one to death like if it was a pinata every candy's out and that pinata's in pieces goes um and then like your jesse on fires and your gurus and uh, mma gurus and some others they've been putting it out there so that's why i kind of have some of the deets on this that i i think normally may not may not have found out but you Mm -hmm. know ian gary's in this relationship where the wife has a um a former husband uh, her ex-husband's part of the team and he actually trains or i think he either does the nutrition or strength and condition for ian gary so it's it's kind of complicated on that end and then of course the way ian gary's been acting you know with attacking neil magny and you know what what'd you say you say you beat me like a kid oh my god you beat your kid you know neil magny said it created problems on his personal life and then, of course, he had that thing with Jeff Neal because Neal was arrested once, so he sold T-shirts that had his mugshot on it. All right, love and war, I get it. But now he's saying he's fearing coming to the United States. He fears for his family's safety. But, bro, didn't you kind of make your own bed? 
Yeah, it's a little bit of karma, man, when you when you really think about it. I don't know that you could say fear for their safety, but you know, as far as fear of like exposure and people saying things and maybe something coming out of that, yeah, I could see that. But like George said, you kind of made your own bed, you know, like there, there's not much you can do in that situation. And he told Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour, every move's been calculated. The wife's behind it all. She's crafted this. And so guess what? He made her a public figure. She's his manager, I guess, as well. There's interviews with him and I think Sean Sheehan where he's asked the question, then leans back, and then she gives her input on how he should answer it. So he's made her kind of like almost like a wrestling manager, just kind of like part of the deal, right? But then what happened was it opened up her personal life and it was discovered that she had written a book years ago on how to become a successful wag wife and girlfriend. It's a term more mostly used for um, soccer wags, wives and girlfriends and the lives that they lead. And so basically it was a book on how to become one. And, you know, she, detailed how this will cost you i think fifty thousand. you got to get the boob job you got to do this and who knows what's in the book and um how you you know i guess make yourself available for the athletes right i don't know so yeah i mean it, you know and so the, the wife's kind of in fact you almost could say the wife followed her own advice she landed ian gary i mean she i think she's 40 and he's 26 or something so it's a mm -hmm. it's unusual already in that regard but look, they had a kid. They're married. It's his wife. I, I'm not in the business of, you know, going after that. Um, I'm only in the business of saying, Ian, it's hard to really listen to you uh, and take you serious when you kind of really did a number on Neil Magny and you kind of did a number on Jeff Neal. Like, I get it. Trash talk, following suit and Connor's footstep, being undefeated, trying to get noticed. But I think he could have done a lot of this just with how outstanding he fights, by the way. And a couple of clever jokes and this or that. But when you kind of made it a little bit personal, I don't know that you can, you know, not expect it to come your way, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 100 percent going to be coming his way, regardless of family comes or not. But I don't think it comes down to safety. That part I disagree. And now you have this. Imagine what next week's going to be like, Goes, You're going to have a fun week. I'm, I'm a little jealous. Because, you know, karate combat. And then the fights oh, are in town. Man. A lot of people are in town. I think there's a little mini uh, reunion between the junkie staff. And so Adam Hunter's doing his thing. So I, I think you're going to have fun. But. I, I think if I were you, I would go. You and I went to the last press conference. I think this one's going to be something else, dude. You got Covington, and he's got his loose lips, right? And Leon Edwards, obviously, that's one matchup. And then Gary, he fights Vicente Luque. And Luque's a quiet guy, but I think it's even upset Luque and the Kill Cliff gang and those guys over there. You saw... A few weeks ago, Brendan Allen saying, I want a piece of Ian Gary. Shafkat Rekmanov, he's going to be on the dais, I imagine, with the translator. And they're going to ask him, are you the guy that knocked out Ian Gary? Because there's rumors of somebody knocking him out or, or getting the best of him in practice. So I don't know if that'll come into play. But I think it's going to be a pretty interesting press conference. Yeah, for sure. 
Brandon Marino, uh, for those that didn't hear, he's the backup for the Royal and Pantoja fight. We kind of covered that in the last show, so I don't want to get into it again. But we're going to wrap it up for here. One last reminder that goes and I on Saturday, December 16th, we'll be doing a watch-along for UFC 296. So don't forget to watch along with us. And again, if you can tell a pal, we'll if every single one of you people that listen and tune in told a pal, we double our audience. Um, tomorrow and every Monday, don't forget to check out Spinning Back Click. It is our weekly talk show about us covering the latest topics in mixed martial arts. Probably the biggest five news stories from the past week. Uh, myself and Goes and our colleagues at Junkie, they rotate. It's a great show. Produces great content. Everybody that tunes in says they love it. And it's every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. As I say that, tomorrow's show, December 11th, you'll hear that. And then on the 18th, we'll have another one. That'll recap the UFC 296 show. And then on the 25th, we're obviously off. So I'm telling you that right now. And it could be that the week after that, the first, we'll either be off or we'll maybe pre-tape or do something at some point during the week. I don't know if it'll be live, though, on New Year's Day. But more on that coming up. All right, folks. Take care. We'll see you soon. God be a champion. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.